Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 22, My Kid Hates Remote Learning. What do I do? There's a chance you might hear one of my kids. We're remote learning this week after the holidays. The district decided we've got to stay home because too many people traveled over the holidays. It has been crazy. I've cooked like four times and, and, you know, it's only two o'clock at this point. Oh, Rena, man, I feel you here. I have an 11th grader who has yet to set foot in her school building all year. And a fourth grader who had nine days in the building this fall in their home. And I cannot tell you how grumpy they both were about starting school up again after the winter break. I mean, you can't blame them. Everyone was dreading it. It was a sense of dread. And in our inbox, we got this letter. It says, Dear Lisa and Rena, my eighth grade daughter spent the winter break dreading her return to remote schooling. She hates online school. She refuses to do some of her work and now has failing grades in two classes. There's still time for her to salvage her grades, but January is already off to a really bad start. Normally, we'd come up with some sort of punishment, like taking away her technology until the work gets done. But we just can't bring ourselves to do that now, both because she needs her computer to actually attend school and because it feels cruel to cut her off from digital communication with her friends when that's her only option. How do we keep her from tanking this year? And what leverage do we have? Thank you for being there. Oh, (laughs) this breaks my heart and I'm hearing it everywhere, Mm. everywhere, where kids are just like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. And you can't blame them. No, absolutely not. I mean, they are sitting in Zoom meetings all 
day. And it doesn't matter. I mean, the teachers are trying so hard, and it's so much work on the teacher's part to try to do an incredible job, and it still is so tedious for the kids. Why do you think now, like, it's just, do you think it's we're so far into the pandemic? Why do you think you're hearing this now from so many different places? I think there is this sense of, like, yay, yay, it's 2021. And yet then I think for kids are like, uh, meet the new boss, just like the old boss, right? I mean, like, it's the same <laughs> right, right. thing. And it's winter, you know, and certainly where I am, you know, that's a tough time of year anyway. It just gets a little dark, a little gray. And I think it's just the longer you're in this tunnel, the harder it gets to be in the tunnel. And yes, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but man, kids are feeling it. Parents are feeling it. Yeah. I mean, you say there's light and I keep saying I'm so excited about the vaccines, but then this week, Ugh. my folks in Tampa, the, the website crashed three times, three days in a row. They can't get an appointment. So while we say there's a light, it's hard to sometimes see that light. How do you get out of the tunnel? I know. I know. And how do you get out of the tunnel without a kid failing out of eighth grade, right? Which is, I think, what this right. essential question is. All right, so let's go to work on this. First thing I would say, and I think this is true for any parent who's worried about their kid not doing the work anymore, check for depression, right? Really make sure that it's not a mood disorder that's taken hold, that is stopping motivation in some, you know, big, broad way, you know, so. What are the quick signs? Like what were three things like you would say? Um, you know, loss of pleasure in things, you know, nothing makes them happy. Um, mood is low. They're irritable. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're down all the time. You know, eating and sleeping has changed. Like look for that. Okay. Now saying that, I had um, a family reach out to me about a girl that I used to care for and they basically describe something fairly similar to this letter. You know, basically what I would call a work stoppage. Like <laughs> the kid was just like, I'm not doing it anymore. And the parents said she's sleeping all day. She's not doing her work. She won't go to class. And by their description, I thought, oh, no, this poor kiddo is depressed. Like we're going to have to, you know, well, let's get this depression treated. So I connect with the girl. She's not the least bit depressed. She's like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I stay up all night talking to my friends because that is the one thing that makes me happy. I just cannot tolerate the idea of another minute of online school. And it was so interesting because I was like, okay, this kid is totally not depressed. She just hates the work conditions and has gone on strike, <laughs> which is a different thing. Yeah, yeah. So first, let's rule out depression. Because if it's depression, then you're going to work with your care provider and get your kid treated. So setting that to the side. Okay, then you have the kid who's just like, I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. And then we have to figure out what to do <laughs> to get the train back on yeah. the tracks. So at that point, when you've got to figure out what to do, how do you snap out of it? Because come on, as an adult, there are days where I, I can't finish one thing on my to-do yeah. list. You know, you're just kind of paralyzed, right? And you know that you're kind of stuck in this rut. So how do you snap out of it? How do you get them to re-engage? Okay, so you actually said something really like right on the mark there, which is you've got a to-do list. And sometimes you can't even get yourself to do one thing on the to-do list. So one of the first questions I would have a parent ask in this situation is, how far behind is the kid? Like, what do they actually owe? Because sometimes what happens, and it sounds like it could be happening in this situation, is that a kid falls down on the job for a little while and they start to accrue assignments that are due. And then they might be inclined to re-engage, but they can't even face the backlog. 
So they actually now have two problems. One is they're not really in the mood to do school, but then the other problem is they can't even face re-engaging because re-engaging means this mountain of work that they don't want to deal with. And so then the avoidance deepens. So the next question I would be asking once we rule out depression is how much work does the kid owe and what's the kid's attitude toward that? Because if there's a mountain of work, that is often enough to keep kids from re-engaging even if they are otherwise inclined to re-engage. So when there is a mountain of work and you feel so overwhelmed, how do you how, how do you chip away at it when you feel like it's so far gone, it's not even worth re-engaging at this point? Okay, well, first of all, that is exactly how kids feel. Like, it's so far gone, there's yeah, nothing I can I do. I feel that way. Right, okay. I, there are things that I feel that way about, right? right? So right. what you do is you say to the kiddo, honey, let's just talk, like, tell me what li- really that you owe. Like, what, like, what are we talking here? For you to re-engage, what are people going to want to have you turn in? And see if you can get and, you know, ask in a way that is not judgy or makes a kid feel like, oh, my gosh, if I tell you, you're going to lose it. Right. Say, like, I won't get mad. I just like give me a sense of what we're looking at here. And then really, if you start to get a sense that they just the issue is they can't even face how much they owe, then I would say either you yourself or in collaboration with a good person at your school and different schools have different levels of support for this kind of thing. One thing you can do is you say to the kiddo, all right, I'm going to dole this out to you in pieces. You don't have to look at the whole pile. Don't worry about the whole pile. I will mind the pile. This is what you need to do today. Just sit down and do this piece. And you said, Rena, chipping away at it, that's what it is. They just have to start chipping away at it. And one of the phrases that I have found myself using with kids who get themselves in these holes, which they do, is I'm like, look, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know? <laughs> and so we sometimes blow past that barrier for kids. Like we don't know what their problem is. And when we really look square on at the sometimes enormous backlog and we really offer kids empathy and support around these monster backlogs, and especially sometimes if, if schools, I mean, they're being pretty forgiving right now. It might be worth saying to the school, okay, my kid is in such a hole. She's ready to try to dig herself out of the hole. Can any of this be forgiven? You know, that's that can be a fair question. But don't underestimate the drag on a kid of work they haven't done as a reason why they're now refusing to re-engage. So assess that and work with your school or, you know, your kiddo to tackle that even if it's one little bit at a time. And you might not even be as far gone as failing, right, as this parent who sent in this letter is dealing with. But just re-engaging in daily things, like we were remote learning this week, so getting them to focus and be in their workspace and be ready. You know, what works when they don't follow through as punishment? I can't – the things that I normally take away, the Xbox, the iPad, I can't do that necessarily because they're on – you're their computers, right? Yeah. Just like this this parent said. So what do you find works in a situation? Because one of the worst things is, right, as a parent, if you don't follow through on your threats, then what do you have left, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Is that right? It is right. Am I right. parenting right? Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the principle there is you need to be predictable. So if you say you're going to do something, you got to do it. Um, that's an important thing for kids. But A really interesting principle here, and this comes into your situation and this fantastic letter writer situation, is we have it very, very well established in psychology 
that rewards work better than punishment. So I, I'm not against punishment. Um, yeah. And we do right now have the problem that, like you say, and like our letter writer says, we actually don't have our normal punishments on hand. So why don't we actually pivot and think about rewards? So to this scenario and this parent who wrote, I think I would say, don't worry about punishment right now. Pour on the empathy, rule out depression, check to see if there's a monster backlog that's dragging your kid down, and then start to talk about what your kid needs by way of reward to get her butt in the chair, as I would say, and get started. And the rewards, they can be a variety of things. It doesn't have to be a new Xbox, right? It doesn't have to be something that feels weird to give a kid for doing what they're supposed to do. It can be, you can choose what we're having for dinner. Um, You want that $5 lip gloss that you've been eyeing? We can totally get it for you. I mean, it can be small things. It can be, you know, praise. It can be, you know, they get to choose the movie night. It can be, and this is where, you know what it reminds me of, Rena? It reminds me of when you have a three-year-old and they won't put their shoes on as you're trying to leave the house And then you get so frustrated and you're like, if you don't put on the shoes, we're not going to the zoo, right? And then you're like, oh, crap. I really wanted to go to the zoo. (laughs) (laughs) You needed to get out. You needed to get out. So you back yourself in a corner. So I think, you know, the the energy we have to get with three-year-olds, we're like, okay, if I put on your shoes, I'm choosing the music in the car. If you put on your shoes, you choose the music in the car, right? Like those are always the better ways to go because essentially what you're doing is you're offering a reward. And- I always found it super exhausting as a parent of toddlers to come up with rewards that I could do and make work like music things. But that's where we are in moments like this. We have to come Mm -hmm. up with rewards we can feel good about and give and not back out on and have some meaning to the kid. Yeah. I I always get sad when you talk about those early years because we weren't friends then when I was parenting those early years. And I wish to God I had known you then because I did everything wrong. And I am praying for you parents of of kids under five because those are hard ages and nobody publicly says that to anybody. We set parents up for failure. It makes me so angry. So I am thinking of parents who have kids under five, especially in this pandemic. Okay. Well, you want to know what I always feel bad about? Tell me. I always feel bad about, oh my, you know, the four or five or six solid years of practicing I did with parents before I was a parent myself. <laughs> because <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I was trained in this very kind of, you know, traditional and rigid way. And, you know, no, 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 children should not be in bed with the parents. No, 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 they should really learn to sleep autonomously. Okay, so I, of course, doled out that kind of shaming, you know, instructional yeah. stuff to parents. And then, you know, you become a parent and 2.30 in the morning, like, and your kid comes in and you're like, hop in, kid. Like, there's no other place totally. for you to be. Like, totally. I need to sleep. You need to sleep. We'll deal with this in the morning. So you, we, we both have our, our, our regrets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, you're totally right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herbed squash and asparagus risotto. 
create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. So I'm really starting to feel it in my mid-40s, just how much stress, hormone fluctuation, and the lack of sleep can really affect the way your skin looks, from dry skin to dark spots and acne. This is why I love One Skin. They can really help. They've got a simple skincare routine that tackles skin issues at the cellular level. I love that this is an all-women team of scientists. One Skin's developed a proprietary peptide called OS1 that's scientifically validated to actually improve the health of your skin beneath the surface. No irritation, no complicated multi-step routine. It's so simple. I really have felt the difference in how my face looks after using this product. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspect of aging. One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. So get started today. Try it out with 15% off using the code AskLisa at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code AskLisa. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them the Ask Lisa podcast sent you. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. You know, when you talk about positive parenting, it's funny because, you know, my family, as you guys know, is from India. And like this whole concept of positive parenting, I think for many immigrant families, is just not a thing. Like, you know, it is, you rule by the iron fist, right? Yeah. So what do you say to people who kind of look at this positive parenting and reward system as like, huh? Like, why do you think that works? Right, because I can see it where parents are like, why should I be giving them carrots and prizes yeah. and treats for just doing like, school? You're a kid. You're doing school. You got to do what I say. Yeah. And and there is truth to that. Right? I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for the idea of, and here's the key words, under normal conditions. Yeah. Um, saying to kids, yep, it's boring and no one's paying you and you have to do it. Go. Right. You know, I, I yeah, think I have yeah. a really strong um, belief in the, yep, it stinks. Too bad. Go for it. Um, view on parenting. We are not under normal conditions. And especially around school, one of the things that has been really um, top of mind for me as I'm watching kids really struggle through school this year is to think about the glue for kids around school. Like what makes them feel connected to school, attached to school? And there's a lot of different kinds of glue. The kids who are still managing pretty effectively right now, the school glue for them 
is that they like the work or they are really fond of their teachers and so they want to perform well for their teachers or they're those kids who are very aware of adult approval and so that's very powerful for them. Those kids are managing. They don't love online school, but they're managing. For many, many kids, the glue of school is getting to be there with your friends, getting to see them at recess, getting to enjoy their company in class, getting to have the mix and the variety and the humans that are there. And you take that away and they have no reason to want to do the work. That is what a lot of kids are up against right now. So what do you think works in that situation? Empathy, empathy, empathy. empathy. I oh know I'm gosh. just, I keep coming back to that. Yeah. But here's what is so hard about school. This is the thing I really don't like about school. School is really, really well designed for only a subset of kids. It really works well for kids who dig it and who love every minute of it and like the teachers. I mean, not every kid loves every minute, but, you know, like who are you know, interested in the academics and the academics are really interesting for them and they do a good job with it. School works well for those kids, but everybody has to do school. And there are a lot of kids who just kind of grit their teeth through it or only get by because of all of the ancillary stuff. They were never supposed to be robbed of the ancillary stuff. Okay, so if you have a kiddo at home who's one who's like, okay, the glue is gone. <laughs> the glue is gone. Yeah. Actually, one of my, um, my, my, my daughter, when she was a sophomore last year, when the pandemic began, she said to me when they were sent home, she said, oh, man, they took away all the stuff that makes school fun and they just left us school. Oh, that's so well said. I know. And I was like, so isn't well said. that right? And she happens to be a kid who's like really in some ways very much a school kid. And even she mm. was like, this is, this is baloney. So if you have a kid for whom the glue of school is the showing up, the being together, I think that you really, really have to empathize with that and just say, look, I get it. This work does not float your boat. You, you know, the teachers being unhappy with you doesn't mean that much to you or doesn't bother you enough to, for this to be an issue. I get it. That's okay. That's okay. But the work needs to get done. What would help you? How can I help you? Just asking them outright. Straight out. Like, what ideas do you have? Is there anything we can be doing on our end that would make it easier to face this? And then I would say talking to the school. Say, my kid is drowning. Is there anything you guys can give me by way of suggestions that would make it easier for him or her to face this? But to really, really not lose sight of the utter bizarreness of these conditions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you keep coming back to empathy. And I'm wondering, is it because... When you are empathetic, you're validating how they feel and they acknowledge that you get the place that they're at. Is that why that's so important? I think it does that job, you know, of, okay, I'm not alone with this. And also, I'm not in trouble, right? I mean, it's so easy yeah, to roll true. up on a kid like this and be like, what is wrong with you? You know, and especially yeah. when we're so tired as parents and we need this to all go away as fast as possible. To have a kid who's essentially making everything harder is not really all that great right now. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so I think we can just get mad. So first of all, it's the absence of anger, which is useful here. It's the presence of understanding. But there's something else too, which is we want our kid to hear us. We want our kid to take our advice. We want them to be open to our guidance. And 
it's very hard to take guidance or support or advice from somebody who you feel like doesn't get what you're going through. Yeah, yeah. And and that's something I think we can skip the step of yeah. making it clear. Help me understand what you're really going through. Oh, okay, I'm going to build my advice on that. What if it's the parent that's drowning? What do you do in that situation? Like when you say that, like what do you mean? Like what are you picturing? Can I tell you something that really broke my heart last yeah. night? I have had this couch, my very first couch I bought in my apartment in D.C. since 2003. Disgusting yellow couch that needed to be thrown away. I put it on Facebook for 200 bucks. A couple came, picked it up. They were not well off. I mean, they just really were struggling. And I could tell this person couldn't even give me the 200 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart. The lady turns to me and goes, is there anything else you want to sell? I had a bag of clothes, like just all this TV stuff that I'm just not wearing anymore, mm -hmm. anchor women clothes. Mm -hmm. that I t gave it all to her. And um, they drove away. They were very appreciative because the couch has a mattress. And I heard the husband say to the wife, he can sleep on this. It's good. It's a good mattress. So they put in the car. My husband comes back. He helped him in. And he says, you're okay with giving back the 200 bucks? And it broke my heart. I said, absolutely. Like he just knew for the rest of my life, like that 200 yeah. bucks taking from this family would have crushed yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lisa, I think about how many parents like that are out there that are just struggling to survive, whether it's, it's providing for their family, whether it is, you know, trying to keep morale up, trying to push their kids to stay on track when their kids just school is not their thing. What do you say to those parents who are struggling to stay afloat and there's nobody to empathize for them or right. with them? Right. Oh, Rena, man, that's a really hard question. One of the things I've been saying to my kids, which is very weird to have come out of my mouth as they have been persistently grumpy about the return to remote schooling, is I've been saying to them, guys, one day at a time. Okay, they do not happen to know that this is a mantra from Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> they'll figure that out later, and then they'll be like, that's so weird that my mom kept saying that to me in the pandemic. But that seems to help, which is, can you get through the morning? Can you get through the afternoon? Do you have what you need to make it through today? And just to focus on that. Honestly, I think... That may be the place to start when everything feels so dark. Mm. I loved in an earlier episode, you were talking about kids and how sometimes kids only really need one good friend. And I wonder if that applies for adults too, like having one person who you have, who can talk to, because our normal communities just don't exist, right? Commiserating on the soccer sidelines, as we talked about, it doesn't exist, right? So as a parent, if you don't have the support systems you need, what do you do? How do you pick yourself up? I think in those moments, what we want to remember is that our kids are watching us. And they're watching how we cope. So the fact that we're struggling is not in and of itself a problem. And at this point, for many families, it's probably unavoidable. It's what we do in the struggle. So a parent who feels like they need more support than they've got could either start drinking, go get in their bed and not get out of their bed, be cranky and difficult, 
or get on the phone, call someone they haven't talked to for a while, um, maybe connect with their church or their temple or their place of worship and ask what resources are available, could start that process of seeking help to get themselves out of that hole. And that goes right back to the piece with the kid who has gone on strike at school, which is it's not the fact that you've got yourself in this bad spot that is the big problem. What we're really up against here is what you do next. So either you throw up your hands and you just assume that you're failing what you're failing and you'll just deal with the aftermath when you do, or you say, this is not the way I want it. I need it to be different. And you start to rally and take help and seek help and look outward for support. So we need to do it for ourselves. We need our kids to see us do it and we need to help them do it. It's a lot. Um, but I think so many people are struggling right now. And we know the next three months are going to be super tough. And Lisa, I know you and I have been talking about what other segments, what else can we offer parents that might be helpful? So we would love for you guys listening to send us any thoughts that you think of segments or questions or guests at asklisa, drlisademore.com. We'd love to hear our listener feedback on on how else we can be supportive. But um there is. There's so much to think about, but I feel like I do feel like we're we're going to turn a corner soon. A lot of things seem more optimistic than they did maybe nine months ago. We'll get there. We'll get there. And I think that's back to the one day at a time. One day at a time. Yeah, I love that. Which is, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Right? I mean, I think that that's <laughs> when things feel really rough. Focus on what's right in front of you and just try to tackle it. It's terrific. So, what do you have for us for children everywhere? So, Rena, I had this really. It, it feels like an honor, actually, to me very much. Um, I started to do some collaborations with UNICEF, um, the agency of the UN. I know, right, that does humanitarian aid and developmental support for families. And um, I had worked with them earlier in the pandemic on some articles around parenting under COVID. And then um, I've made a couple of videos with them, and they've started to release them. And these are actually videos about how parents can support themselves um, in the context of parenting under COVID-19. We'll put them up with the show notes. But I thought we should have UNICEF be our four children everywhere because they do work literally for children everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're in over 190 countries around the world, and they do incredible, incredible work. So they're at unicef.org. I love it. That's a great organization. So great that you're part of it. I can't wait to see it. I was really honored that they asked me to help. I can't wait to watch. And for Parenting to Go, what do you have for us? Here's what I've got for Parenting to Go. If your kid is into school, don't underestimate how lucky you and your kid are. If your kid is not that into school, school's not their thing. Never forget that school tends to focus on and reward an unbelievably narrow band of skills. And there are so many kids who really like tough it out for the duration of their education and then go on to be incredibly good at amazing careers that are not that well represented by the things we ask kids to do in school. So never forget that just because your kid isn't that into school doesn't mean they're not going to be amazing at something and deeply devoted to something and make major contributions. School rewards a very narrow band. 
we don't hear that enough. And you you're, feel like a failure as a parent when your child isn't the one who's interested or engaged in school enough. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great to hear. Lisa, thank you very much. You're welcome. See you next week. Sounds great. And be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Ask Lisa Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa Podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.